This is exactly right. That's Georgia Hardstar. That's Karen Kilgariff, if you can believe it. Can you? Can you wrap your head around Karen? Five years in a row <laughs> of doing <laughs> this for you. We both show up every time. This is believe it. My my second longest relationship. This podcast <laughs> <laughs> officially. We're working on it. We're still a work in progress, <laughs> as we all are, right. and all relationships are. And They're it's a discussion okay. and a compromise. That's right. Uh, how's it going? Good, especially because I have down almost an entire nitro latte with oat milk. <laughs> what does that mean? That means I'm going to be real happy during this recording. Are, is there something special about that canned latte? It's night, uh, nitro, unsweetened, black, and and oat milk coffee. So it's essentially what's the, the cold brew? Oh shit! Okay, yeah, but it's oh tight. you're about to go off. Is that what you're warning me about? Hey, you're about to go for it. I'm having the best time. <laughs> yeah, what's up with you? Nothing. Um. <laughs> You know, I just have my theory. I have my theory about the end of quarantine and how difficult I think we none of us understand how difficult the ending of things are, even things we don't want to be in anymore. The adjustment we're about to make. Basically, merging back into society as a whole. Hate it. None of us have ever done it before. No one understands really what any of these vibes or feelings are. There's nothing to necessarily do about it. Mm-hmm. And we all have to like wait for our second shot and then see what happens. And it's very, I just don't want to be in my house anymore. <laughs> so what it comes down to is a big piece of it is uh, there, no good can come from sitting in your house this much. Well, let me ask you, because you loved your house a year and two months ago. Do you resent it a little bit at this point? Not in the least, because this house has made... My enjoyment of this house has made it easier for me. Like, I always, always think of people like I think of my past apartment relationship uh, uh, situations mm-hmm. and how impossible they would be. <gasps> or or how, your last house. Can you imagine how depressing you would be to your ex-husband house? That house was so depressing just structurally, just architecturally. <laughs> it was like it was a Winchester mystery it house did. of bad feelings and it, bad vibes. It had a lot of rooms that didn't make sense. There was a lot of doors that opened right onto the next room. There were no very few hallways. Yeah. It was just weird. And I was trying to make it work. And that is the story of my life. And so, no, this, the house I have now is a joy and I love it. And well, the good news is yeah. it's all turning around and change is actually ultimately good. Of course. So it will be okay. Think of it as like quarantine is a womb and we're in the birth canal we're stuck mm. in the birth canal so hopefully we're getting oxygen and we we're about to be birthed into the world take a first deep breath get spanked on the ass and fucking get to it and that's like the goal but at the moment um 
the soft plates in our skull are are smashed together uh-huh. and making it feel like our brain is going to come out of our head and that's uh it's it's temporary yeah the doctor is temporary is threatening us with the c-section and yeah. we're like no i, mean, I want to try it a little harder the clamps are coming in Ooh! for our for our still, skull do they still use those my thing is no big moves in the birth canal. No big moves. <laughs> Just keep it low fucking key as That's much right. as you can in the That's birth right. canal. Let that Pitocin work. <clears throat> why do I know so much about birth? As, <laughs> you know why? Favorite. There was this show when I was like in my 20s called A Birth Story. And mm. it was like literally, you know, the last couple of days of someone's. And I was obsessed with it. And then I started watching birthing videos. <laughs> God, why am I admitting this? Just c- because it became an interest? Yes. 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 And that's when you decided never to have children. <laughs> it was like, that don't look like fun. Oh, oh, oh. That looks f- terrible. And then I'm tired for 18 years. I'll never forget when my friend who had two kids at the time, and I was probably 27, mm-hmm. told me oh my God. Um, how embarrassed she was because when she had her first baby, she shit on oh. the birth on the table. I and she was so embarrassed that that happened in front of her husband and all this yeah. stuff. And I remember looking at her like, oh, God, it's, like, <laughs> it's all so difficult. You change as a person. But I think that happens every time and people don't talk about it. And I think that's why they yes. position the husband at the shoulders. Uh, yes, I agree. Which is so polite. But also, like, you should take a look, motherfucker, and see what I'm going through. Get down there. <laughs> Get your face close. Up. Um, I was going to actually, <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff that happened last week that lots of people were interacting with all week long. Um, oh yeah, let's hear it. So many things. Uh, the first and foremost, I have to say it was a surprise how the Catholic hive rose up oh. around. I mean, unbelievable. Oh and I my God. This, <laughs> I think it's part there are a lot of us who are either uh, lapsed Catholics, ex-Catholics, um, still practicing, but low-key Catholics mm-hmm. who have all this knowledge in our brain. Oh so, like, it, clearly, I'm not one of the leading people on this. But <laughs> if you if you had like grandparents that did a bunch of Catholic stuff around you, you know it. So, yeah, honestly, minimum 50 tweets from people going I, I'm sure a bunch of people told you this already but Instagram. the first one it's, and Instagram's annoying because 50 comments but you can see other people's comments so it's not like they don't know that which oh, just bless your heart everyone get your get your shit out you know so what's what did it say this was from the fr- I'm just going to read the first one and they included a photo of the statue so mm. we kn- we know what about we speak. That's polite. And it was from uh, someone whose handle is Fleetwood Mom. So she's at Tango or her name. I don't know what the difference of the two is. The the at is Tango Maureen C. And Tango Maureen C was first and she included a photo. Amazing. Um, It says to us, just listen to the latest minisode. The buried statue was actually probably a statue of St. Joseph because Irish Catholics love Hocus Pocus Catholicism. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, someone fucking admits that it's all magic. So true. And believe that burying St. Joseph upside down in a garden will help you sell your house. It's green. It's glow in the dark. It's made of the same material as my childhood retainer. 
Because it's glow in the dark, yeah. baby. So he's, he's down there underground, upside down, up the soil upside down, because that is he's the patron saint of real estate or whatever. <laughs> But, and then so, someone said that then you are then you, if you buy the house you're supposed to dig it up and put it on your mantle which I think is cool as a tchotchke lover I love that uh, yeah I mean sure that seems dirty but <laughs> if yes if that's what you want to do I think that's kind of great well not if it's buried in manure but if it's just like plain old backyard dirt but it's your mantle and then it's this plastic glow in the dark like truly daytime glow in the dark things that are just weird green yeah. like nauseated green yeah is like you know <laughs> you wouldn't rush to put it on the mantle no D- doesn't seem like um uh, but i do appreciate everybody for absolutely <laughs> so, i mean i still get them all day every day usually i get a, like a handful this was so many people well that's great another clarification corner which we value request i feel like slowly but surely um, we're going to get, we're going to become experts in both Judaism and Catholicism through, do and through our mistakes. And then my mom will finally be happy. <gasps> oh, we, we all go to temple together yeah. as a family. It'll make up for the fact that my brother, sister and I, none of us married a Jewish person because we were so like, <laughs> fuck that. At the end of our bar mitz- bar and bat mitzvahs, we were like, never again. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for the check. My brother actually married a Catholic girl. Now that I think about it, Yolanda, mm-hmm. Yolanda Cortez. She's amazing. Oh, she is. I love Yolanda. She's she so nice. She is a psychologist for severe uh, children with severe cases of autism. It's She's a fucking saint. I love her. She makes our family. Yeah. She gives our family a good reputation. That's good. That's it. Get it however you can. Exactly. That's exactly right. What else? Can I tell you that I've finally taken a break from Sopranos? Oh, yeah. And I have something new. Thank fucking God. So if everyone needs a break, I highly suggest Made for Love on HBO. Have you been watching it? No, I haven't heard of it. Oh, my God. It's incredible. It's new. Made for love. Made for love. It's uh, Kristen Malati from all the sci-fi things and How I Met Your Mother. Do you know who Billy... <gasps> Sorry. Is she sorry, really quick? Yeah, yeah. Is she the girl that was in Palm Springs? Yes, with, exactly. Um, I love her, and she was in the second season of Fargo. Oh yeah, uh, and she is so good, so good, and okay. a great episode yes. of Black Mirror with uh, what's his name, who's married to Kristen, uh, Kirsten, who was in uh, Friday Night Lights. This is getting con- oh oh Jesse Plemons. Thank you. This is getting convoluted. So she was in an episode of Black Mirror on a spaceship, and then Billy Magnuson. Do you know who that is? Beautiful blonde. Oh, bright Billy blue. Madison, who had to go back to fourth grade. <laughs> yes, I've heard of he him. He stars in the. <laughs> no, but that would be fucking great, right? That script is pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Billy Magnuson, who was in an, also in an episode of Black Mirror, also in Kimmy Schmidt. Um, Fun fact, in an episode, in a show called American Crime, he played none other than Cato fucking Kalen. Wait, which hold I, on, I'm looking You have up. to look at him. He's gorgeous. He's our new, um, we're his, we're his new fan. <gasps> oh, yes, yes, yes. I know this guy. He's face. like in everything and you see him, you're like, I know that guy from somewhere and you don't know where it is. And he's legit great in everything he does, but he's, he's the most beautiful character yes. actor. It doesn't make sense. This That's is, how it is these days. Because everyone's so pretty. This is a tour de force on his fucking part like he awesome. plays such a creep beautifully oh made to love made or made for, for love? love 
my oh and he also is in or was in your pretty face is going to hell which <laughs> with henry henry zabrowski friend of the family <laughs> and one of the pioneering reasons we started this podcast yeah so i don't know fun and then also way back in the beginning of his career he was in as the world turns which i think is a necessity oh. for character actors right well, absolutely. I mean, what's funny is this guy does not look like a is not a c- traditional character no. actor because he's gorgeous, but he plays a certain villain, a certain bad guy, a certain slimy guy. So then, exactly. yeah, he's he's been kind of corralled into this. But it's the same thing as uh, Kristen Milani. That's her last name, right? Milani. Milotti. Kristen Milotti. Oh, so she is similar where. I find her to be an incredible actress. Absolutely. Not just good or regular or the standard there, but she's sub- sublime actress in that second season of Fargo, which every member of that cast was really like hitting threes the entire time. So mm-hmm. it was like really a beautiful thing to see. Is three good? Is that, it's hitting not- threes in basketball is when you're, it's like for <laughs> shooting from the outside. So you're getting an extra point. Look at you. I was like three out of 10 doesn't sound great, actually. <laughs> I don't know shit we're about not, basketball, girl. We're not rating her, her face or body. We're saying <laughs> she's, she's killing it. She's killing it, killing okay. it. Um, yeah, she's one of the reasons that I, that second season of Fargo was transformative experience. I don't remember who she played in that, but congratulations. She had cancer. She was the young mom with cancer, (gasps) which is such a fucking 80s thing. And the idea that they represented it in a show like that, I was just like this in the 80s, in the early 80s, everyone's parents got divorced. Truly, I would ask my parents every day, are you going to get divorced today? And my mom was like, this is crazy. I was like, I need just I need the first one to know. As a psych nurse, how did she not take you to a child psychologist based on that alone? Because she was always just like, please relax. <laughs> I don't have time uh, to drive you to fucking therapy. Everybody had everybody's parents got divorced, and then a bunch of like moms got cancer. Where you're like, wait, what? 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 Like it was so horrifying, but and then, the fact that they laced that in was amazing. At the time, though, you were like, but they're old ladies, and now you're, I'm forty, and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. tragic. And also, at the oh. time, we should say at the time. It was, it could be a death sentence. And these days, not as much. Thank God. Do you know what's so crazy that you said that is Kristen Milioti's mom in this dies of cancer. It's not a spoiler. Oh. In the like 90s or 80s. And her dad is played by Ray Romano. Brilliantly. Oh, that's interesting. Brilliantly played by him. He's very good as well. This, this, oh, and then, um, Patty, what's her name? That comedian Patty, Patty Duke. <laughs> she plays twins, right? She is her own teenage cousin. Hold on. I have to give her a shout out because she doesn't know who I am, but I find her so delightful on Instagram and I've seen her do stand up and she is Patty Arquette. Patty Harrison. Yes. Patty Harrison. Patty Harrison. Follow She's her great. on Instagram. It's party underscore Harderson. She is. <laughs> She has the filthiest mouth and she mm-hmm. is the funniest. I just am like, she's this, um, she's the office bitch in Shrill, which is a great show too. This is a lot of talk about made for love. That's all I well, have. Well, congratulations. It's fun to find a new thing that you actually like. Yeah, it's great. I started watching my version of this is of course British. <laughs> it's a British crime procedural. That, they, that fits with the, <laughs> with the norm. But you see this, if you have Amazon Prime, you see this on there all the time. It's called Mayday. It's from a while ago and it's real good. It's, it's, it's real good. There's a murder in a town and you don't know who did it and everyone is suspicious. Is it a charming town? 
Is it a charming British countryside town? It is, and it's forest-based, which is another additional thing that uh, a part of it where I'm like, if you can fold in a little bit of pagan forest Mm. witchery, Mm. which this has uh, quite a bit, it's good stuff. But the one of the stars of it is the great British actress, Leslie Manville, who is in Phantom Thread. And she was in the show that I love called uh, Mum. If you need to relax and watch some British comedy very light very subtle british comedy there's a there's a series called mum i'm i know for a fact i've recommended it before mm-hmm. it's so lovely it's about a woman whose husband just died and wow. basically what her life slowly kind of turns into in a really lovely way mm-hmm. it's like surprisingly wonderful that sounds um, great well, that's like a chill one and mine's like a event like a crazy sci-fi adventure set in the future it's yeah. So let's to watch mine and then watch yours to go to before you go to bed. I feel like then we do brackets and then we see who <laughs> votes for who. <laughs> and then it, we fight to the death in a ball pit. Right. In a ball pit that has like, razors hidden around. And it. all we have for uh, weapons is uh, flour. And we perfect flour and Zippo lighters. <laughs> um, I also wanted to say because uh, my story uh, last week with the Paris's burning murders. Mm hmm. I was kind of breathtaking to see that the legendary drag performer Peaches Christ <gasps> complimented us on that story. I didn't do on anything t- <laughs> on Twitter. Well, you know, but we get we share it. Thank you. Um, we do. And uh, it was just one of those kind of things because we've started following each other and I've heard of her. She's a legend. Yeah. And she's I'm, I'm almost positive she is in san francisco which is one of those kind of things like when you're a legend there yeah. it stays with you yeah. so it was very, thank you i believe she listens ah. and it meant the world gorgeous what a what a honor and especially someone in that community who who's like you did it you did it justice that is yeah, like that, what we do this for i guess that's kind of it's a subconscious <laughs> brag ultimately <laughs> but it's like but if peaches christ said you says you did a good job then you can take that to the fucking bank. that's right and, and anyone ever talk to. shit just retweet her tweet at you to that fucking yeah. motherfucker and then no matter them. what the topic that's right <laughs> oh yeah you don't like the way i said whatever the, i didn't put a fuck i said your i spelled your wrong well guess what <laughs> oh that wouldn't happen to me <laughs> <laughs> Damn! Just kidding. Just kidding. No, Just kidding. It's fine. We know we know the words I speak sometimes incorrectly. Hey, don't we all? Hey, man. Uh, also, yeah. Just as a side sidebar, a couple people were wondering. I was not being sarcastic when I said Pittsburgh was one of my favorite cities. That was not sarcasm. <laughs> it's so that sad that people immediately are like, "You love Cincinnati? What?" It's like, no, yeah. I fucking love Cincinnati. It's the best. Their thrift stores are unbelievable. That's right. They're like the '90s thrift stores that we used to go to and love that are now f- gone. Here's a moment of "Do you remember this okay. from the road?" Okay. Oh, the road. We should totally steal You Must Remember This as theme song because you could careen along where it gets mad at us. Um, do you remember this from tour? Okay. When we landed in Pittsburgh, first of all, remember when I lost my phone and oh. ran to the gate to try to go get it off the plane and it wasn't there and it turned out I'd left it in the back. Uh-huh, I remember that well. Oh, Which is fair so... because remember when Vince left his backpack in the cab and had to go meet like we had a show that night and he had yes. he usually goes to the venue at like five o'clock before us to get everything set up. <laughs> so we all lose. 
We all lose shit. It's yes, definitely happens. And but also we had gotten to be such a well-oiled machine yeah. that those hiccups, which usually were me based, <laughs> were major hiccups or <laughs> no, just like it. fuck. But that aside, we got to Pittsburgh, we got into the SUV, and we had a driver who introduced us to Pittsburgh. Do you remember that man who was <gasps> like, we were talking amongst yes. ourselves. I think you were talking. I want to go to this place. I looked up this place. I heard about this place. And then he basically very politely and very naturally kind of slid into the conversation was like, a lot of people don't know this about Pittsburgh and was basically giving us like fun facts yeah. and like kind of a verbal tour. It was the coolest conversation. He was, he had this great accent. You wouldn't have guessed that he would be, he was like almost like a Pittsburgh advocate. Yeah. Like we're, we're this town, we're that, da, 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 da. And it was the greatest. It was such a great introduction. And we're, we're tired. Out, and you've lost your phone. And <laughs> you, problem. Nine times out of 10, the fucking hotel room isn't ready yet because for some fucking reason, you always can't check in until four, which I think is bullshit because if you rent a room, you should have it for 24 fucking hours, which is a day. If you rent a house, you do. Room, you have it till the next day at four. <laughs> no, you don't. Remember, they always kick you out at 11 or 12. Well, because they have to clean, they have to turn the room over. Hear me out. This is my platform. Okay. No, I don't. That's fine. Um, oh, I, th I thought you had a plan, like no, a no, new no, way I, to do it. <laughs> I never have a plan. I just fly by the seat of my pants. Uh, yeah, that was lovely. And so we loved it. It was really nice. So just there are people who <laughs> I relate to you. It's hard to take a compliment, but that's how it was meant. <laughs> hey, um, since this is, after all, 50% a true crime podcast, can I... Uh, Say, tell a couple of things that please based on that. So, did you hear that Killers of the Flower Moon, the incredible book, is being turned into a movie? You're shaking your head, yes. So, I'm guessing that's a yes. And it's, I think it's really cool because so, uh, Tatanka Means is playing, is it is in it. I know this much is true, it's great. And then also, uh, sort of friend of the family, Pat Healy is in it, who. I love because I see him in the neighborhood once every 10 years after meeting him 20 years ago, and he never forgets my name. Maybe once every five years, we walk by each other and he's like, Georgia, and he doesn't need to know who I am for any fucking reason. Um, he's in, he is in a million movies too. He was the evil guy in compliance. Yes. Which is the, he's a great actor. Yes. He's great. So I love him. Just if you remember me, <laughs> that's all it takes, really. <laughs> it's, well, that's that thing of like, you know, the books about persuasion or political anything yeah. is honestly on the like in the first chapter. It's always remember people's names. Yeah. It means the world to them. Well, you're great which at is, that. And I just I just write off your glory. <laughs> I'm great at it. Yes. You remember everyone's fucking name. Oh, hmm. I don't even really remember that Pittsburgh thing. I was just going along <laughs> with it because I didn't want to be a dick to Pittsburgh. To be totally. The thing I was picturing, I realized what actually happened in Arizona. And so I was like, shit, that's not <laughs> it. Here's the thing, though. A lot of those experiences, <laughs> that's so funny. A lot of those experiences are so similar because you're inside a car. So it's not like, you know, yeah. oh, we're, we were in a blue car that time. You're inside the car. Right. It's the guy sitting. It's always the same setup and it's just different variables within it. I appreciate, you know? I appreciate you, but 
it's purely it's purely the past 20 years of drinking (laughs) (laughs) listen if you don't think i have big swiss cheese holes in my brain (laughs) as we speak come on it's been a month and a half since i've had a drink and i keep being like am i fixed yet am i done yet why isn't my memory coming back what's happening (laughs) um the reason i was nodding my head is because one of my favorite um musicians jason isbell it also got cast in that movie. Oh, wow. And he tweeted about it. And I had a, a little bit of a, like, I'm so excited kind of thing. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Because it feels like the casting is very conscious about um, putting the right yes. representation of people in place and telling the story in, a, in that way, which I think is so cool. Absolutely. Absolutely necessary. And in fact, my computer right now is sitting on a copy of, I'm not fucking kidding you, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. So I always have my hand. I should thank my friend, um, Denisa Kreisel, because she recommended that book to me three years ago. Oh, yeah. We worked on baskets together. She recommended it so long ago and told me and begged me to listen to it. I was like, absolutely. Just bought the audiobook and never, <laughs> never did. Yeah. The other thing, true crime thing I wanted to mention is that Kristen Smart, who I mentioned a couple episodes back, because I listened to the podcast in your own backyard, that is fucking incredible. And so listen to it to catch up on the case, because there have been two arrests uh, in that case, the father and yep. son who have always been a suspect. It seems like they found some forensic evidence finally, which they should have done 25 fucking years ago if they had actually done a correct, proper investigation instead of saying she was a runaway. Yeah. Um, so fucking hallelujah. Congratulations to In Your Own Backyard because you are yeah, congratulations in this catch game in the same way Michelle McNamara was. Um, it's incredible. I got chills. That's awesome. And sorry, but are those people that started that podcast from San Luis Obispo or like that area? Is that why they started it? Yeah. So it's hosted and just created by Chris Lambert, who's a freelance journalist from that area. And that for 25 years, there's been a um, billboard of her face and have you seen me on it? So Mm -hmm. I think so many people are saying who from that area saying I grew up passing that billboard and actually Chris helped start or maybe someone he interviewed started a fund to get a new one up because it was so Mm. old so I think everyone from that area and everyone who went to college at Cal Poly just were waiting for something to happen yeah so well that's it's kind of the whole uh ethos behind the idea of a hometown story you know, which yeah. was Georgia's idea when we started this podcast is we all got into true crime for a certain reason for because we got exposed to it at a certain period of time or whatever. Or we have these stories that because they were near where we grew up or somebody went to our school or whatever it is, it's the one that that is your case. And yeah. there's a lot of oftentimes you know, derision or like criticism of true crime, of being interested in true crime because of that idea. It's always interpreted as like this, um, almost like a rubbernecking kind of thing yeah. for people who are outside of it. And I think when people who are inside of it, this is such a great example of really what it's like, where it's like, no, this was a girl that lived in my town, disappeared. It mattered. The fact that nothing got done about it matters, um, you know, yeah. and so it's not... There's always that thing of like, well, other things matter. It's like, yeah, right. But this is in my tiny yeah, town. Yeah, exactly. It's we all have someone and something like like Polly Kloss from yep. your town. And that must have shaken you guys to the core. Yeah, it's, it, it, 
changed the entire town permanently. Yeah. It's incredible. Mine was yeah. the, the kid who um, his father divorced, took him to Disney. This is a horrible story, but his father took him to Disneyland. They got in a motel and he lit the kid's bed on fire. He survived. I know, it's, it's so horrifying. But I could, I've never stopped thinking about it. And I, it just changed me that the father could do something. And my parents were divorced too. And we went on vacations with my dad. So it just like put this, not that Marty would ever fucking do something like that, but just put this fear in me and this being like, oh, other people have it really bad. And, you know, life can be a fucking monster. Yeah. And the armchair expert thing, quote unquote, is so it's like such a negative thing to so many people. But I think people like Michelle McNamara and Paul Haynes and now Chris Lambert are changing the face of that and giving us some fucking legitimacy, which I feel like is powerful and is going to only help other cases. It can only help. Right. More eyes on it, even if they're not professionals. And because look at this Kristen Smart case. They had 25 years and multiple changes in sheriff and head sheriffs, whatever they're called, and uh, district attorneys, and none of them were able to do anything about it. And this podcast comes along and and maybe it's a coincidence that this case now has momentum, but I don't think so. No, it doesn't seem like it. No. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice change. It's a good it feels like it's a, you know, there's possibilities in places to to affect change. Yeah. So congratulations to that podcast. And and it's um, and, you know, it's nice when some there is can be resolution yeah. of of some kind or at least at least a step forward. We'll see. Definitely. Speaking of horrible things, I'm reading this great book. So it's this harrowing book called The Trauma Cleaner. I cannot name all the trigger warnings it has because it would take four hours. So be careful. If you loved hoarders and intervention, this book is for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. I loved both. It's dark. Um, It's the trauma cleaner. One woman's extraordinary life in the business of death, decay and disaster by Sarah Krasnostein. Um, It's about this dynamic, incredible woman who has been through so much in her life. It's trauma after trauma. And now as an older woman with like lung cancer, her career is going to the places where horrible things have happened and private homes where, where horrific things have happened and helping those families and those individuals like the hoarders re- assess their lives with so much empathy, partly because of what she went through and the way she was treated. Mm -hmm. Um, She's trans and she has done some horrible things herself. I have read. Oh, no, no. Sorry. I think this this person, um, uh, she's been on criminal. Phoebe Judge has interviewed her on criminal. And that's how I know this story. Oh, my God. that, That woman is an unbelievable the the way she talks about what she does for a living and why is so inspirational yeah i i can't wait wait are you listening to an audiobook or audiobook. a book book and the reader is beautiful the book is written it could it could just be a story of this woman's life and it would be incredible but the, the writer yeah the, but the writer sarah cranestein i hope i'm saying that right is such a poetic beautiful writer that these horrific traumatizing things she's writing about sound 
gorgeous and get to it hit you in the heart and i just can't say enough good things about it but it's definitely triggering um the woman's name who is the trauma cleaner sandra pankhurst is her name um, and will you will you spell the author's last name really quick oh definitely her last name is spelled k-r-a-s-n-o-s-t-e-i-n krasnostein krasnostein that's, that's right, right krasnostein australian so you get that great accent going too Sure. Which is always helpful when things... It's helpful to deliver bad news in British accent, I feel like. Or any... Yeah. Any negative thing. It always works. Someone They're very good at it. Start that service. Um, (laughs) hello, Miss Hardstock. Yeah. Oh, hi. Yes, your UPS package. It's smashed. (laughs) Oh. Tiny bits. That's okay. It was a priceless heirloom from my grandma, but oh, well, you sound so friendly. I am. Thank you. <laughs> okay, wait a second. I gotta. I gotta ask. Couldn't we have? I think it'd be even better if it was a drunk British person. Listen, listen. You don't know what it's like over here in the fog. Brexit. Brexit. Let me. Do you know how hard that was yeah, to that, do drunk Karen British? Absolutely. That would really, really hurt my. Oh, fuck. Can I just say this? Oh, yeah. The other day, if you have stacked washing machines yeah, yeah, or yeah. Are at a laundromat, I need to warn you. Don't be careful. I don't. I want to <laughs> save this paint. I stood up. Oh, no. I know where this is going. Yes. This happened yesterday, and I honestly was like, I might have to go to the hospital. You were like a, a cartoon character with fucking stars over your head. You hit, you yes. plonked your fucking head. I bent over oh, to take the wet clothes out of the wash Karen. and stand up to put them in the dryer. And I stood up full speed oh. and slammed the back of my head into the dryer door to the point where I was like, this is what it feels like to get... Like have someone hit you with a pipe over the back of the head when they're, you know what I mean? It was, it, it was such a bummer all day long. Oh. I'm fine now. And I had an egg, but it went away. Thank God. Oh, wow. I thought you're like, cause I was, I was like, oh, is eating an egg good for a concussion? I didn't know that. <laughs> you crack a raw egg and you stick it on your scalp. No, I had a fucking bump Swallow that was like, a raw I was egg like whole. I literally was like, make sure you don't take a nap. Like oh. I was doing all the concussion, the concussion procedure. Cause I was just like, what are, are you uh. smelling anything weird? Be careful. The fact Whatever. that they don't like just make those stay open, I think is a fucking trick of big, big washing machine getting you to fucking get right. oh for like the, the healthcare system and the wash, big washing machine are in motherfucking cahoots. And also big skull. <laughs> oh wait, speaking of which, sorry. It goes all the way. Speaking of which, uh, let me ask you. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot. Which, okay. if you had to go to the hospital and none of your neighbors were around, would you call me or Steven? Now, Steven does live closer to you now than I do. That's true. Yes, but I Steven's have Vince. Closer. I feel like Vince would make a real. He makes a real calm vibe when there's a fucking. Panic. Yeah, Vince is definitely an emergency yeah. call. That's not a judgment on you, Georgia. Or Steven. I, but but if I had a hand well, I'd head be there injury, too, and I think I drive you, like a monster really fast. So I'd get you. There I fast. would not want you driving me. This <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I have a head injury. All right, okay, okay, I okay, need okay. I need my skull protected. I need my brain not scrambled. No, um, honestly. If I'm going to be honest to both of you, I would call Jay. I know you would. That's why I, that's why I didn't fucking add him to the mix is because I know it wouldn't be me or Steven, even though he lives on the motherfucking West side, you'd call him and I'm hurt by that. I'd call Steven and say, I think I have a head injury and he'd go, oh. <laughs> 
might want to take oh, care of Oh, are you okay? Steven's like, hmm. Steven's like, I'm medium on your, on this. Mm. <laughs> oh, anyway. Steven. Okay, no, let I'd me know right how it over. goes. Yeah, no, he, you, you thank you. Here's, a here's what I will say. Night guy for sure. He is your uh, tried and true, Steven. But I think <laughs> I would wait. I would save it for a technical issue yeah. because the time that my cable went out, Steven was so like literally reporting moment by moment. Because when, right. when your Wi-Fi goes out, you don't know what the fuck is going on. And he was just like, I checked I checked cabledown.com. <laughs> I checked Twitter like, for fucking whatever your Verizon or whatever it is. And here's the <laughs> news report uh, yeah. by minute by minute. Here's all the news. Right yeah. I think we all have different, like, I think I'm good in an emergency because I was raised by two first responders. Oh. So I'm just like, let's just get this done. Everyone's had stitches in their skull. Don't oh. worry about it. <laughs> like, that's literally who I was raised by. So, um, and then, yeah, Listen, and I think for my ego, can you tell me about what my positive contribution would be? I think well, it'd be keeping you awake by talking your ear off as I'm doing right now. You I here's the thing. If it were if I made the call to Vince, I would want you to be in the car. Oh, for what? Because for <laughs> that exact reason, for the um, it's OK. I think you would definitely hold my hand and pat the top of it. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think you would be very um you know, checking things. And then like Vince would go park while you would walk in with me. You know what I'm We've really good at? That kind of stuff. I'm really good at going to the front and saying, my friend has a fucking concussion. And I just saw yes. a guy with a toe injury go in before her. Yep. You'd throw some elbows. I, I think you'd be a great patient representative in the waiting room at the emergency room. I'd ask questions and take notes for you because your head would be injured. And so you couldn't. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. I needed that. Otherwise, I've been, yep. been sulking all day. I was going to make a joke and say I'd, I would call you for a restaurant emergency, but I don't. <laughs> I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. I was just trying to be funny. But that if is, you had a restaurant emergency. Let's face it. I think you're good at that. Where should we go? Uh, I call you every time my dad comes into town and beg you to go out with me every night because that's all he wants. I really am good in a restaurant emergency. It is my passion. And when people yes, text you're me good about it, socializing, I feel like I'm a, it's a compliment. I'm good at socializing. Yeah. Thank you. Well, just kind of like you're good at a dinner or like a family. Oh, you know, I thought you meant like a everything. restaurant recommendation. <laughs> Well, that too, but usually it's like you should okay. go too. Oh, I appreciate that. All right, great. Yeah. This is like this has given me a week of boost. We should do more boosts um, corners. Oh, yeah. I'm going to write this down. What Steven, do you want? Can you remind us? You haven't got corner. One. What do you want yours to be? Your <laughs> thing would be. Oh, I know. If I'm having a this happened a couple weeks ago, I'm having a fucking. I had a panic attack. I'm not fucking doing well. I I my instinct is to quit it all <laughs> and just live in the forest. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? The end. That's when you'd call me. That's when I did call you two weeks ago. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> nice. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That's kind of a yeah. It's the idea that people have panic attack these days and don't immediately go. Of course, I'm having a panic attack. This shit sucks. <laughs> like everything is. Crazy. I don't think about Things it. are so crazy right now. Yeah. But thank you. I'm glad to be um I'm glad to be that person. Well the and problem was it's like you talk to you or pour some alcohol on it, which is a great way to fix it, but try calling a friend first. It's like um who wants to be a millionaire? You have that's right. You have Phone four options. Take a shot of vodka, call a friend. I don't know what the other two are. Well, because also, and we've said this before, but the 
shot of vodka freezes it. It doesn't fix it. It just pauses it in time. And then when you're sober, now you have more problems and it, that one's still there, Ooh, I hate which it. sucks. And I'm sorry, because honestly, I tell you this with the true heart of an alcoholic. I would not be saying this if it didn't almost end my life. But but oh, then God. I was forced to. Yeah. I was forced to face it because it really did feel like it solved problems for me. It does. But that's because I didn't have all my problems counted up. Well, I was, I think that up until this point, I've been really scared. Well, first of all, yes, there's nothing to, I didn't, I wasn't ready to, I knew that if I stopped pouring alcohol on the problems, I'd have to face them. And for the past year, my therapist has been trying to get me to do that. And I was like, mm, I can't, I can't, I can't, because I wasn't ready to do that. And then something changes and you do it and it sucks, but you do it. Um, but what I wanted to say, um, there's this book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray, which is my new fall asleep book. And she and I'm sure this is an AA quote. Um, Once I start drinking, I finish, which is kind of hit me really hard when I heard it where it's like, I've uh, never heard that before. Okay, I think I'm sure it's an AA thing. But uh, yeah, that's a good one. Another one I heard, if I can say it by my friend Emily Gordon. And I'm sure she got this from a self-help book, too, is when things stop giving you gifts, it's time to walk away, which I think is beautiful as well. And if you're drunk all the time, you can't tell a gift from a pile of shit. So let's also be aware of how our perspective changes when that part changes, because we think we know everything and that we're just drinking and it's just this kind of additional thing when in fact it's clouding covering and changing the point of view of everything as we do it yeah and then when you stop doing it as you well know things go in a different direction which is also upsetting and creates problems you know what i mean yeah, there's it's, a it's there's a, a real turmoil. issue with with it yeah it's a period yeah. of turmoil but it's for a purpose and you can get through it. And that's the well, only way life can get better. Also, turmoil isn't always bad. Mm -hmm. And also, even though this sounds stupid, bad things aren't always bad because we need muscles. We need to lift heavy, hard things for ourselves to get the muscles so we can do it again. And next time it's not as big of a mm. deal. There is progress made when effort is made um, that maybe not be measurable, isn't measurable as you're doing it. But, you know, in six yeah. months, in two years, in whatever, you can look back and go, I was really different before. And I'm, you know, and now I've changed because of this thing. But the only way to that change is through like the dark tunnel of what the fuck. Yeah. You got to get pepper sprayed to appreciate your vision. <laughs> and and to make it so that you don't pepper spray people left, right and center just because you feel like it. Quit pepper spraying yourself and you will see clearly. If you could get step out of that strong wind with your bear mace. Oh, I've done that. And, I fucking done that. <laughs> I've pepper sprayed myself because I was walking and I, and I had my pepper spray out because it was night. And I was like, I wonder if I may I better make sure this works. Sprayed it <laughs> in front of me. Continued to walk. Met my friend at the bar, could barely see. Oh my god! It wasn't bad, but it was bad enough to be hilarious. It's serious business. <laughs> it worked. I mean, that's at why when <laughs> that's why when long ago 
we wanted to make merch that said pepper spray first, ask questions later. I was like, this is not a good thing to put into the world. This it's is not a good plan. This is actionable. It's, it's also just let's not be that way. Oh, isn't this episode the day that we get to announce something? Really? Yes, it is. <gasps> we have we have very We've been inching up toward this for a little while, so many of you might suspect this already, but today is the day we actually get to announce it. Well, this is for the non-skippers who have listened this far. Yes, um, this you've is, earned this. This is a gift special for you. Do you want to say it at the same time? And no, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> We're not yeah, in fifth grade. Do, I say a word, you say a word, I say a word. <laughs> Steven says a word. <laughs> Let's do some improv exercises and then do it. Zip, zap, zap. We wrote another book. That's right. We finally get to tell you the whole thing that we were talking about, about the sneak peek and the paperback that's coming out May 11th, which it is. There's a paperback version of Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered that's coming out on May 11th of this year, which is basically a month away. Your birthday. And it, and, it, and it is my birthday, which is, you know, one of the pluses of uh, being in this in the biz yeah. is they do stuff like that for you. On top of that, there are going to be two sneak peek bonus chapters in the back of the paperback from the new book yep. that is coming out that is a whole new thing. Oh, and now we get to announce what the theme is. It's more stories from our lives, but it is in the theme of responding to your freaking letters, the most the beautiful letters you have sent us for years that we have saved because we loved them when we were pitching new ideas. It just came organically that what if we finally fucking respond to these? Uh, <laughs> I think it was Allie's idea. It was definitely our incredible <laughs> editor, Allie Fisher, who edited our last book. And and so this book was so much easier to write because we always knew we were in good hands. And then the product, Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murder, was, just felt so good um, that the second book, I think, was a little easier, I th but harder because of the pandemic. So yes, they've been really sure. patient with us. because yes. When you're yeah. calling your editor and saying, sorry, I didn't uh, finish my chapter. It's just that there was a coup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just in rare air. That's so, right. uh, so we're thrilled that we finally get to talk about this and we're thrilled a second book is coming out and we're really thrilled that you guys and the people who have written us letters are included. And these are letters that we've gotten at meet and greets that people have sent us in the regular mail all over. We basically just kind of pulled together a collection um, of just different letters to answer. Okay. So I think um, I think it's going to be a pretty cool and different and exciting book. Fucking hooray. But very exciting. And we're excited to finally tell you. So, yeah, get the paperback and then you can get the sneak peek of the brand of two chapters of the brand new book. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill. If you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom, it's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. So we're doing a quilt episode this week. And yep. uh, my mine is first... So, uh, st- Apparently, Stephen said. And um, so my ep- my story this week is from the legendary 2019 London show uh. that I believe through word of mouth, we found out that Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine was in attendance and everyone was insane out of their minds uh, about it. It incredible. was very cool. Um, I mean, I think a lot of cool people are in attendance, but that was the one that people spotted in the audience and then were tweeting at us about. Yeah. Um, and my story from this, tw- it's 2019, London. And so I did the Bride in the Bath story um, about killer George Joseph Smith. Okay, I thought since we've never done it before, I should cover the brides in the bath. And that's the murderer uh, and bigamist George Joseph Smith. Um, Again, my sources are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and of course, the legendary Kent Live News. (laughs) Unbelievable source of information. Okay. This starts, this is the same time period oh, as yours. Look at that. Basically. It starts um, January 3rd, 1915, and Division Detective Inspector Arthur Neal receives an intriguing letter from a man named Joseph Crossley in Blackpool. Um, I hear it's like um, Atlantic City there. That's what, really? that's what April told me, yeah. Good times. Sounds fun and drunk. Yeah. Sounds like you can get, what was the, uh, a drunken, well, forget it. You know what I was going to say. What? Find it. Um, where, da, 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 da. Oh, heavy drinking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a heavy drinking nightmare? Come on down to Blackpool or up. Come on over to Blackpool. So, okay. So Joseph Crossley says that he's writing about the death of a 25-year-old woman named Alice Burnham Smith. 
So this is Alice. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically, uh, a year before, on December, uh, um, in December, um, oh, sorry, it's, I screwed this up. Uh, a year before, uh -huh. newlywed Alice Smith had suddenly died while taking a bath in the rental house that the Crossleys owned. Um, and her husband of two months, they were newlyweds, uh, George had been the one who found her. Mm -mm. And so um, Crossley in this letter includes a clipping that's from Alice's coroner's report. And he also encloses a second clipping, and that's from an issue of the News of the World. Oh, it's one of your great newspapers over here that respects respects everybody and loves privacy <laughs> and really holds the story until they get all the correct information. Journalism. I'm very familiar with that now. <laughs> so essentially, um, Margaret is found dead in the bathtub, and the second clipping is about a woman named Margaret Lloyd, who on the evening of December 18th, 1914, um, went and uh, stayed in a boarding house with her husband, John Lloyd, at 14 Bismarck Road in Highgate, London. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> sure, love your cemetery. So, um, so that night, they're planning dinner, and um, John has to go out to buy some tomatoes. He sees their landlord stops by, and he's like, I'm going out to buy some tomatoes. And the landlord's like, I don't care about you. <laughs> which is rude. Yeah. Um, here's Margaret Lloyd. Okay. She wore that hat all the time. <laughs> Every hat in, the, in this time period was fucked. Yeah. Okay. It's a good outfit, though. Um, okay. So when John comes back from buying tomatoes, he finds his new wife, Margaret, dead in the bathtub. Uh -oh. An inquest is held on January 1st, 1915. Her death is ruled an accidental death by drowning. So Joseph Crossley basically explains these two deaths are almost exactly a year apart, and they're so similar that they, he believes they must be connected somehow. Mm -hmm. And the first one happened in his like rental home, yeah. so he's very connected to Alice's death. And now he sees it's happened again, and he's asking Inspector Neal to please look into these um, into these deaths. Um, and then he says, um, my wife made me write this letter. <laughs> Your she wife's is, a murderino. Yes, an OG murderino. <laughs> God bless her soul. Mm -hmm. So the next day, January 4th, 1915, Inspector Neal goes to um, the Lloyd's boarding house at 14 Bismarck Road, and he meets with the landlord and landlady, and they tell um, the inspector that when the Lloyds first arrived, that the first thing that John did was go straight to the bathroom, bathroom and examine the bathtub. Um, it's very of a foremost concern to him. <laughs> I do that too, though. Yeah, you're actually like that. Yeah. Um, it was only after he found it satisfactory that they agreed to rent the 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 place. He's like, this looks like a good place for murder. I mean, to live. I mean, uh, uh, uh. Um, so they then bring the inspector in and show him that bathtub. There it is. Oh, <laughs> I would have noped that one. <laughs> Yikes. He yepped it. So, um, so of course the landlady thought that John's interest 
in the bathtub was strange at the time, but she didn't read too deeply into it. Um, the tub is much smaller than Inspector, Inspector Neal thought it would be, and the fact that it was only um, filled three-quarters of the way up when um, Mrs. Lloyd's body was found in it makes it hard for Inspector Neal to believe that this was an actual case of accidental drowning. Mm. Um, so he goes back and reads the coroner's report and finds out that her death was listed as accidentally drowned through heart failure when in the bathtub. He just changes the cause of death. It just makes it... No, no. Well, he oh. sees that oh. it wasn't listed as drowning. It oh. was like heart failure. So there was a little more okay. to it. Um, so then he uh, he's now more skeptical, so he gets a hold of the coroner. Um, one Dr. Bates and uh, the, he asked Dr. Bates if there were any signs of violence on Mrs. Lloyd's body um, Bates says there were not aside from a small bruise above her left elbow but he does say that he found it strange that Mr. Lloyd expressed almost no feelings of grief when she died and he says Lloyd bought the cheapest coffin possible for his young wife and once she was buried he'd reported to have said Thank goodness that's over. What the fuck? Right out loud. Jesus, don't talk. <laughs> Just don't talk. Woo! <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's terrible. So now the inspector knows he's onto something. Yeah. Um, he keeps digging and he finds out that just three hours before her death, Mrs. Lloyd had visited her lawyer and made a will. Oh no. In it, she left everything to her husband. Uh, then she withdrew her entire savings. How come? To take it home and take a bath with it? <laughs> I don't know. Was she going to wash it and redeposit it? Uh, a week later, on January 12, 1915, Inspector Neal gets a call from his new coroner friend, Dr. Bates, who tells him that he's just received an inquiry from the Yorkshire Insurance Company about Mrs. Lloyd. Mm -mm. So... Um, Apparently, three days before her death, Mrs. Lloyd had taken out a life insurance policy on herself. No, don't do it. For 700 pounds. Don't do that. The equivalent of 68,000 pounds wow. in today's money. And the sole beneficiary on that policy is the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's new, but I love it. <laughs> Why, it's her husband, Mr. John oh. Lloyd. Huh. Oh, wow. I wonder if anyone's ever screamed, huh, at the top of their lungs. <laughs> okay. So now Inspector Neal asked Dr. Bates, um, please, he says, delay any reply to the insurance company. Give me a sec. He mm -hmm. calls up Blackpool Police to find out the details of the death of Alice Smith. All right. The first one I talked about. It turns out that her story is identical to the lead up of the death of Margaret Lloyd. Her husband also inspected the new home's bathtub before they moved in. And Mrs. Smith also took out an insurance policy just before her death, also naming her husband as the sole beneficiary. Yeah. So Inspector Neal calls Dr. Bates back and says, go ahead and tell the insurance company that they can pay him. And um, he goes to the insurance company and basically sets up a stakeout and he waits for John Lloyd to come and collect his money. So on February 1st, 1915, a man matching the description of Mr. Lloyd arrives at the Yorkshire Insurance Company offices and um, Inspector Neal stops him and asks if he's John Lloyd. And the man says yes. And then he says, oh, um, are you also George Smith? Uh-uh, gotcha. And the man's like, but, but, but uh, pish posh, absolutely not. Um, 
until the inspector threatens to take him in for questioning on suspicion of bigamy, and then the man finally admits his true identity. He is George Joseph Smith. Inspector Neal arrests him on the spot. All right. So here's his mugshot. George Joseph Smith. He looks like my guy, kind of. He does a little... Well, it feels like maybe they just had one guy take all the pictures back then. <laughs> or maybe like there was a single male model. There was one look. He yeah. also has a bit of a Shia LaBeouf feel yeah. to him. I see it. I totally see it. Yeah. Um, okay. George Joseph Smith. He was born on January 11th, 1872 in Bethnal Green. He's this... Oh my God, it's so fucking green there. <laughs> He's the son of an insurance agent. Oh, no. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, he's known as a troublemaker. In 1881, when he is nine years old, oh, no. he's sent to a reformatory at Gravesend. Um, is that the good reformatory? <laughs> uh, he's serving time for theft and swindling. At nine? As a nine-year-old. Oh, that's kind of cute. Consider right? yourself. <laughs> 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 Prepubescent British child crime is the most yes. adorable crime. It's pretty cute. Little urchins. That's what they call it. Street urchins. Yes. So when he's 24, he, uh, he meets a woman. We'll call her. She doesn't have a name in any of the research. We'll call her Helen. We'll call her <laughs> Helen Mirren. She, um, <laughs> He convinces her to steal money from her employers and give it to him. Um, then he takes that money and uses it to open a bakery in Leicester. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice churn. Consider yourself. He gets caught. He has to go to jail for a year. After he gets out of jail, um, <clears throat> he stays in Leicester. He changes his name to Oliver George Love. And then he marries a woman named uh, Caroline Thornhill. A year after that, he also marries another woman. Can't do that. Let's see. It is illegal. It's, you just can't. And, like, uncool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, this other woman he married didn't have a name, so we'll call her Judy Dutch. <laughs> so, now he has bigamy added to his long list of offenses. So, shortly after this illegal marriage, he, George a.k.a. Oliver George Love, and his original wife, Carolyn, they moved to London, and she gets work as a maid in a couple different houses. He coerces her to steal money from her employers mm. and give it to him, and she's eventually caught, of course, and she goes to jail, and as soon as she is released, she rats on her husband, and he's arrested in January of 1901, and he serves two years for these, these crimes. When he gets out in 1903, Caroline's like, oh, you're out of jail, I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> like, everybody thought Canada was the place to be back then. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> so... So George, he goes back to the the old fake wife, Judy Dench, mm -hmm. um, and he stays with her just long enough to kind of reestablish trust so that he can steal her life savings oh. and then leave her again. Oh. Um, so then in June of 1908, he meets and marries a widow from Worthing named Florence Wilson, and together they move to Camden. And sure, yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
everybody's represented tonight. <laughs> I'm going to figure out a way to name every single neighborhood Do and it. county. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About a month after their wedding, he steals 30 pounds from her, 3,000 uh, pounds Shit. in today's money. That's a lot. Sells a bunch of her stuff and ghosts her too. Um, then he moves to Bristol. Drunk. We get we get how you are now. <laughs> Won't stop hooting. Must be from Bristol. <laughs> Party on. Okay. He moves to there and he puts an ad in the paper. Puts an ad in the paper. Her housekeeper, a woman named Edith Pelgar, applies for the job. And less than a month after he leaves his last fake wife on July 30th, 1908, he marries Edith. Oh my goodness. Yes. He must have game. Like imagine <laughs> yeah. the charisma of that mustached man. Yeah. Like the Constantly small talk and just yeah. hyper focused attention. You're the only one in the world. She's like, Oh my God, you will not believe this guy. He likes all the same chamber music. I like, <laughs> he totally thinks I should have the right to vote. He, he's, he's really into my pockets. <clears throat> okay. So during the next four years of their marriage, he disappears on Edith for months at a time. He tells her that he needs to travel for his job, which he claims is selling antiques. So he's the original antiques roadshow. And, uh, so sorry. And so, so sorry. I love it. I love it. But really, actually, what he's doing is meeting and marrying almost every fucking woman he runs into. Wow. Yes. And then stealing their money and ditching them and taking that money and bringing it back to Bristol. <laughs> um, what about those poor antiques? No, it's too It's too much, much hooting, it's Bristol. Much. Like, <laughs> Bristol drank on the train. <laughs> Easy, easy. I don't want to get jumped by Bristol tonight. Come on. Okay. In October, <laughs> in October 1909, um, he takes the incredibly different alias George Rose Smith, and he marries a woman named Sarah Freeman. He immediately steals 400 pounds from her and disappears. Back to Bristol. Honey, I'm home. That's what the wife does. She's so stoked to see him. <laughs> Everybody cheers. He's like, oh my God, look, I got you this really meaningful book of poems. And she's like, oh, it says property of Sarah Freeman in here. Uh, not what? Yeah. It's antique. Don't why worry do you, about why it. Why do you have to be picky? <laughs> okay. So basically this, that was his bigamy run that he went on. Mm -hmm. So, and this is what the inspectors found out. So now we're back to current times. George Smith has been identified. His whole past has been discovered. He's in custody. Inspector Neal now enlists the help of who's this pathologist, Dr. Bernard Spilsbury no. crossover character in both our stories. What the fuck? That's why I said, that's why I made that noise. Yeah, I remember. Has that ever happened? Check this shit out. You want to see Dr. Spilsbury? Yeah. Hot. What's up? It feel ready. It feel ready. <laughs> it feel ready. I'm ready. <laughs> That's oh. what I was doing all day while I was researching the story. 
was singing Adele songs to Dr. Pillsbury. <laughs> Spillsbury, I said. Spillsbury. <laughs> he already, he looks like he's aging in reverse. <laughs> no. He looks like the old man from Thanksgiving. <laughs> God, and he knew somehow. <laughs> Let's just pretend. He knew. We should have reached out to touch him. He's a ghost. <laughs> the ghost of Thanksgiving. So this guy must have been fucking famous back then. Yeah. Okay. So Spillsbury's on the case. Love it. He exhumes Margaret Lloyd's body and he checks it again for marks of violence. Um, but he just finds the same bruise that the first coroner found. And then two uh, tiny marks, but nothing is enough to prove that uh, Margaret Lloyd died suspiciously. Um, he then tests her body for traces of poison. Those results come back negative. There aren't any signs of heart or circulatory problems. So what is clear to him, though, is that Margaret Lloyd's death was sudden and instant. So when the news starts to hear about these two young women's d- mysterious bathtub deaths, they start... They nicknamed the case the Brides in the Baths. So on February 8th, 1915, Inspector Neal receives a call from the chief of police in the small seaside town of Hearn Bay in Kent. There are much more. You're no Bristol. Okay. Um, (laughs) They have to do it. They have to. Um... I feel so bad for the person sitting in front of them. They hate your yeah, guts. Really, truly. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> Guys, we're all best friends. Okay, so the Herne Bay police chief um, read about the two other mysterious bathtub deaths and realized that he had had a case three years prior that was exactly the same Mm-mm. as the two brides in the bath murders that he had read about. And uh, he'd investigated the death of a woman named Bessie Monday. Okay. Oh, I don't have a picture of her. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> really led up to it. Um, in 1912, which was a year before Alice Smith's death, a man named Henry Williams and his wife of two years, Bessie Monday Williams, um, rent a house together in Hearn Bay, and it doesn't have a bathtub, so Mr. Williams no. buys one. Guy. Yeah? You need to change it up a little fucking bit. He doesn't no, know that. Don't kill people. <laughs> but. But if you're gonna. Um, the two, um, uh, the, this couple met in 1910 after Bessie's father's death when he had left her, uh, an inheritance of 2,500 pounds, which is $200,000 in today's money. So okay. he's like, I'm in love with you now. I'm in love with your purse. <laughs> um, so shortly after they move in, uh, Henry Williams takes his wife to a man named Dr. Frank French, and he tells the doctor that his wife has had an epileptic eptic seizure. Um, Bessie's like, I actually just kind of have a headache. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't know what he's talking about. Dr. Frank gives her medicine for the headache. Um, then Henry calls Dr. French again, says Bessie has had another seizure. So Dr. Frank, French comes and checks on her again. She's fine. Uh, he tells Henry, I'll be back in the morning, you know, just to check on her again. But before he can show up at their house the next morning, which was July 13th, 1912, Henry calls Dr. French first and tells him Beth, 
Bessie has drowned in the bathtub, Uh-oh. in his brand new bathtub. So Dr. French comes over to their house and finds Bethy, Bessie in the bath. Shit, this is hard. <laughs> um, her head is, un, is submerged under the bath water and her legs are sticking out the end. Um, he Basically, Dr. French rules her death an accidental drowning after an epileptic attack mm-hmm. because that's what he's been led to believe sure. has happened. Um, so Inspector Neal finds out that not only did Bessie Monday Williams have a large inheritance, but she'd also taken out a life insurance policy just five days before her death. So Henry Williams is awarded an insurance payout of 2500 or 2,570 pounds, which is 68,000 pounds today. Mm. I love them. I love telling you what the old money is and then the new money. <laughs> I love it. It's really satisfying. Today's money. When, t- when time passes, money goes up. <laughs> I think you guys For the that. next few weeks, after February 8th, 1915, Inspector Neal and Dr. Spilbury, they look at all the evidence around these deaths and they try to t- determine how each woman actually died. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Bessie Monday, she was five foot seven. And so her head would have been far above the waterline in a five foot bathtub. Yeah. And then if she were having a seizure and her limbs were thrashing around, that would have actually kept her head above the waterline. Right. Um, and that they also would have been more flo- uh, water on the floor, which there was none reported. Mm-hmm. Um, so it dawns on Spilbury that if Dr. French's report is accurate and Bessie's head is underwater and her feet were sticking out, it was possible Mr. Williams could have pulled her underwater by her feet. So he poses a theory to Inspector Neal that Mr. Williams may have been in the bathroom while Bessie was bathing and came over to and played around like jokingly and lovingly with her feet and then when she's not expecting it, suddenly yanked them upward and uh, that would cause the tub water to rush into her nose and mouth and um, it would be the forceful enough to make her lose consciousness and then she would drown under the water. And that would leave no marks. Um, so, the, to test that doctor's theory, Inspector Neal hires several experienced female divers. Mm. <laughs> now he's just fucking around, I think. <laughs> but also, several, like it's 1915, <laughs> where women weren't allowed to leave the fucking house. And it's just like, find me divers now. Um... So he does, they do tests on these women to test out and see if this is actually mm-hmm. what they think it is. Um, and first they try to hold them underwater, but anyone struggling, if, if the, um, a woman at that size, Bessie's size, what struggled against being held down, they would have had to use force back on her that mm-hmm. would have left marks on her body. Yeah. Um, so they know that that's out. Then they try Spilbury's foot yank theory on one of the women. And even though she knows it's about to happen to her, when it happens, she goes under and immediately lose con- loses what? consciousness. And they can't, it takes over a half an hour for them to revive her. What a bummer. Yes. She's like, what? No. She's you like, told me I was. I thought this was a fucking diving thing. <laughs> like, I wanted to see some fish and hang out. <laughs> In some murky water. What's this bathtub shit? Dr. Spilsbury's kind of hot. Spilsbury's Not looking maybe. good. It's Spilbury, actually. I uh. added an S in. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. Um, okay. So they realize if she, knowing it's going to happen, 
uh, is unconscious than than the average woman who thinks she's just hanging out with her newlywed husband who's into her feet, who's a, a foot fetishist. Yeah. Um, then they wouldn't they wouldn't have had any uh, any chance. Yeah. So thanks to Dr. Spilbury, Inspector Neal finally has an MO. So George Smith's trial begins on June 22nd, 1915. English law at the time dictates he can only be tried for the murder of Bessie Monday, um, but the prosecution's allowed to mention the other deaths of his other wives to establish his pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. Of course, his lawyer, George's lawyer, argues the unfairness of this, including... The, um, to the judge, but the judge overrules him, and all three deaths are cited in the prosecution's argument. And on July 1st, 1915, much like in your story, the jury takes just 20 minutes wow. to find George Smith guilty of the murder of Bessie Monday. He's sentenced to death. <laughs> yeah. Bristol! And <laughs> on, August, on August 13th, 1915, George Smith is hung for the murder of Bessie Monday. And that is the highly repetitive and sometimes hard to follow story of the murders of the brides in the bath. Great job. We did it. We did it. Oh, I put my shoes back on. Okay. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. That was gruesome. That was amazing. London is a fucking awesome crowd always. Oops. Yes. Especially when big Florence time. is in the audience. I mean, could you hear her laughing? <laughs> um, yeah, it's always big time when we're in in England. It's, so uh, so many good candy That's bars. That. What you got this okay, week? Okay, this week I'm doing my we were in St. Louis at the Powell Symphony Hall in December of fucking twenty seventeen. Oh shit. Those heady days. We were three years in first, first tour. Oh, 2017. Okay. See, you remember so much shit. This is this incredible, crazy bananas story of Pam Hupp. Mm. And hey, guys, stay tuned for an update on what happened post me doing this story. So enjoy. <laughs> guys. Really quick. Just in case oh. you won these tickets in a radio raffle or something <laughs> like that. 
This is a true crime podcast that's also a comedy podcast, which sometimes is a slightly difficult combination for people. So if you can't give us the benefit of the doubt, get the fuck out. <laughs> I'm kidding. What if my uncle got up and left? My <laughs> uncle Michael just leaves. My oh. Uncle Michael storms out. Yeah. I'm joking. That was the first joke of the night. So now you know. <laughs> now you know what to expect. Well, okay, here we go. Okay. Here's who I'm doing. And you fucking murderinos almost just ruined my surprise because I'm doing Pan Hup. Pam Hup. Ah! Is that, is that the lady? Is that the picture you have? I have it up there. Uh, yeah. You okay, I was I like, get... don't, don't ask them about it. Don't ask them about it. I thought you seemed, because I have never seen that woman before, and yeah. I got really, um, w- uh, if you're a murderino or a true crime a personal semi-aficionado, <laughs> when you look at a picture and everybody else knows who it is, and you've never seen that mugshot before, like, I started yeah. to get real upset. And she's fucking sanitary napkins on her neck, it yes. looks like. But I'm going to explain that to you. And okay. so I wasn't going to be like, oh, that's so crazy. What are those? No. I was just afraid that I had missed a Gacy level person <laughs> in my in, in my travels. I'm really bad at it. I should have played along or been like, don't, I'm gonna do her, but I just didn't know what to do, so I just stood there instead and I like it. Thought about my my stuffed bra, you know? <laughs> you distracted me by pulling cutlets out of your dress. Cutlets. It's so funny because I've we've been together now for two years straight, day and night, uh-huh. night and day. Uh-huh. Thank you. I didn't notice that Georgia's bra size went up like four cups in they're like two, they're ten still minutes. Two cup sizes bigger because I, I still had to stuff them to fill fucking Jessica Simpson's idea of what a woman should look like, <laughs> which I refuse to fucking... And I got this dress for free, so who cares? Money's not going into her pocket. Aw. I really wish that I could sing a Jessica Simpson song right now, but I would just, I wanted to go into, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, and that's not (laughs) accurate, and I also don't know how that one goes either, so forget (laughs) it. Forget it all. All right. Well, how about we talk about murder instead? Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Let's start in Troy, Missouri. Betsy Faria, she's this warm-hearted, lovely, bubbly woman, tons of friends. She's awesome. Everyone loves her. She has a husband named Russ and two daughters from a previous marriage when in January uh, 2010, at 40 years old, she learned she has breast cancer. Mm. So uh, after a fuck ton of chemo and a mastectomy, she's declared in remission, and she and her husband plan a celebration of life cruise. Want to see them? Yeah. Let's see how this works. Does this work? No? <laughs> Sin. This one? Oh, there they are! Yeah. Oh. Right? Yeah. That's oh, her. Sorry, we didn't say Steven's not here. Oh, yeah. I... Good. Play that up because he can hear you right now. He'll, he's the first one to listen to it. Act upset. We should start getting a pet cube and have Steven like pet cubed in. <laughs> What's that? It's like, a, it's basically how to spy on your pet. <laughs> and you can also, you can also dispense treats from your phone through the pet cube. Yeah. He's just sitting there by the pet cube like this. <laughs> he loves his mustache. What would we dispense? Little, little tiny kittens? Kitten. Oh. Okay. Okay. That's, so that's Betsy and Russ. 
But then before the cruise, um, they find out in November 2011, at 42 years old now, Betsy learns that the cancer is fucking back. Mm -hmm. I know, it's a bummer. Spreads to her liver. And she only has a few years to live, even with treatment. But she's this, like, upbeat person, and she's like, fuck that shit. We're going on the cruise instead, and I'm going to fucking swim with dolphins. And they go on this, like, (laughs) celebration of life cruise of what our life is. It's beautiful. Um, So one of Betsy's friends, who isn't on the trip, but comes around after Betsy was diagnosed with cancer, was a woman named Pam Hupp. So, yes. Yeah, I I saw the place, Matt. I know what's up. Yes. (laughs) There's this thing we do for one of the Jewish holidays that I can't remember, maybe my uncle knows, uh, where we tell a story about the, the King Haman and what a piece of shit he was, and whenever his name is, whenever, Purim, Purim, thank you, <clears throat> thank you for being a better Jew than I am, and uh, <laughs> please keep it up, yeah, whenever the, the name Haman gets said in the, in the story, everyone goes, boo, and stomps their feet, and then you have those noisemakers, and you do that, I should have, so look under your seat, everyone, <laughs> I just feel like every time I say the word hub, it needs to be a... Sp- Don't do Can it. Can you imagine if we gave out noisemakers <laughs> during the show? Like, the TV producer and me just had seven fucking heart attacks in a row. No! Don't collect those right now! Oh, my God. And then you went through and collected each one from everyone, yelling at them. Can I just... Sorry, sidebar. Go. Sidebar. But... It's one time when I worked on a TV show. They had loaded in the audience the warm-up comic. Well, you can't, they don't have the volume up in the control room, so we're just watching the warm-up comic kind of walk around, do her whole thing, and then they're getting ready to actually start <laughs> shooting, and all those things are very, like, very time-sensitive, so it's a 4 o'clock shoot, you have to be ready at 3.59, and so when they, they throw all the volumes up to get ready to start shooting, there's this crackling sound, and of course, the, the sound guy goes fucking berserk, and he, the, they're sensitive men. They're, they're, they're sound sensitive. They're, they need to be. It's their job. This guy comes flying in. He's like, we got a major problem. And it was like this whole thing. And then everyone's like, hold on, hold on. Let's just listen for a second. Well, it turned out that the warm-up comic had passed out butterscotch candies to the whole audience. Oh, no. So every person had a piece of cellophane. They were crinkling in their hand. Uh-huh. Every, like, a hundred people were just like... <laughs> these mics that were everywhere. Um, it was the funny... I was crying laughing, but nobody else <laughs> thought it was funny at all. And this has been Hollywood Minute with... <laughs> well, this story doesn't go like that. Okay. Did I tell that story right at the worst possible part? I mean, it's always the worst. This, it's always the worst This podcast is called The Worst Possible Part. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Pam, Hup, she and Betsy had met 10 years earlier when they worked together in an insurance company. Um, Pam is 11 years older than Betsy, also has a husband, two kids, and she's worked um, in the insurance industry for a long time. Uh-oh, red flag. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't work in the insurance industry. <laughs> Um, So she's kind of a busybody, gets in everyone's business, you know what I mean. So Betsy and Pam had been friends when they worked together, but they had parted ways. When Betsy's diagnosed with cancer, she comes back around and is like, I'm going to be your trauma friend. What's up? You know what I mean? (laughs) Did you say trauma friend? Yeah, you know the friends that are like, oh, I'm really good at this. I'm bad at like drinks on a Tuesday night, but I can fucking be there when you're going through chemo. Like those friends, there's people like that. Very true. Which is like they are either the best person in the world or a total sociopath. <laughs> Ding dong. Guess which one? This one <laughs> You'll never guess. What if Georgia went on to tell the most uplifting story and they're like, okay, your turn. 
What the fuck? Don't change it. You can't change the show. <laughs> okay. So she starts coming, Pam starts coming to Betsy's chemo treatments, every treatment. And even when Pam, when Betsy's like, listen, don't come this time. I'm going to be, my, my old friend's going to be in town. We want some time together. She fucking shows up anyways. She like railroads this shit. Then on Tuesday, December 27, 2011, Pam, um, so she shows up insisting that she be the one to drive Betsy home after the chemo treatment. But Betsy was like, nope, I'm going to my mom's house. So Pam's like, all right, leaves, and then shows up later to, Pam, to Betsy's mom's house and is like, I'm driving you home. What's happening? Yeah. Right. So Betsy's like, okay, fine, drive, drive me home if it's so important for you. I don't know. She might have said that. I would um, like to think she did. As for Russ, the husband, that day he works at home like normal till five. Then he goes out to his standard Tuesday night game night. Okay, so he goes to game night. They hang out. Um, and at about nine o'clock, he leaves. On his way home, he stops, at, of course, at Arby's oh. drive through <laughs> Arby's. Sure. That's like, oh, you've been smoking pot. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yes. Yes. Got it. I relate to you. Why would you ever eat that instead? It's Otherwise. delicious. It is. So then it's he, also convenient. Okay, well, I won't. <laughs> he walks inside the house at a, uh, close to 9.40, finds his wife Betsy lying on the floor in blood. He, he only sees three wounds, and so from those wounds, he assumes that she had killed herself. Oh. I know. So he calls 911 and hysterically says, my wife killed herself. But that looks bad for him later because when the um, police come, they're like, what the fuck, dude? She has 55 fucking stab wounds. What? What is wrong with you? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but most of them are hidden by her clothing, so he didn't know. So a search turned up Russ's slippers thrown into the back of the closet and their blood stain on the top, but he doesn't have any blood on him. Um, of course, the police initially suspect him, but his timeline from before he found Betsy was corroborated by his four friends that he was probably smoking pot with. <laughs> um, his phone was pinging in the right fucking places where he was, where he said he was. Um, he had an Arby's receipt that he, uh, as we all do, <laughs> threw in the back of his fucking car. I save mine like I'm going to bring him to the accountant. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just like, thank you, fold this up, put it in this part of my wallet for four days, and then throw them out later. I leave those receipts I kind of hide, and then I hate when I have, like, the straw wrappers on the floor of my car because everyone knows that yes. you just fucking went through a drive through. Oh, yeah. And you're a garbage person. Yeah. Oh, the girl, straw, yes. The straw wrappers to me are more telling than the receipts. What about the fucking disgusting next day French fry smell? We're oh. just like, why am I doing this to myself? Oh, there's a new... <laughs> oh, I was like, what? Sorry, that was too real. There's a new Carl's Jr. I should have finished it. Wait, can I just say this really quick? Yeah. I just tweeted this the other day. Please. But I went to, filled with shame, I went to McDonald's the other night. And this one in L.A., it's a double lane. So somebody can be ordering over here, and then you can be ordering over here, and then you zipper formation back into it. It's amazing. You've got to come to L.A., if only for that. Um, and also, don't worry, we're going to White Castle tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Got to. Never been. Never been. Never had it. Let's talk about murder some more. But really oh, quick, yeah. the guy that rung me up, yeah. first of all, was the most beautiful teen I've ever seen. Uh-oh. Cut that. That's the Cut thing that's that. going to fucking blow this shit up. Secondly, 
and I thought this was very meaningful when he went to give me my change he came all the way out of that window <laughs> like fucking Rapunzel I was like hey is this happening with us are we gonna do this thing it was amazing okay sorry I stopped your whole story to brag I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um okay <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So he had his receipt matched, and all of that, him leaving Arby's, matched the drive it would have taken him to get home and call 911 by 940. And the autopsy showed that she would have been dead by then for at least an hour. Um, And there's video of him, so there's surveillance video where he's going, wearing the same clothes he wore when the police found him without blood on him. So it's not like he could have gone home, killed her, and then not had blood on the same clothes because he was wearing the same clothes. You know what I'm saying? I sure do. You know, basic fucking police work. <laughs> the kind we do every day. The kind we're known for. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pam's alibi. Let's go back to fucking Pammy. Okay. Um, she, it's all over the place. She's constantly changing her story, and she admittedly says she's the last person to see Betsy alive. So she says that she had brought Betsy home from her mother's house that he, she had insisted on taking her from, and had, um, in the driveway called Pam's husband and was like, Betsy, say happy Christmas to my husband, which is like, oh, you're establishing a fucking alibi. What's up, right? You know, the like, she was alive when I talked to her, that thing, right? Creepy. Yeah. Um, Also, a a grown adult that makes another grown adult say hi to a third grown adult, Uh. get out of there. (laughs) Fucking death roll out of that car. (laughs) Shit. Now my face is on your phone. It's disgusting. I'm going to break out. No. Okay, so then she says that she dropped, she just dropped Betsy off at 7.05 and left. And then later she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, actually, uh, I walked her in and then left. And then, wait, wait, wait. Uh, sh- I went in with her and she told me to come back to her, um, her bedroom to see a Christmas gift that Russ had given her. And so she keeps changing her story and it's flimsy. Like in her mind, she's like, oh, I have this on me. I better say I'm in the house. Yeah. I have this. Like she's putting like fiber evidence ideas together. Yeah. Or she's just a crazy liar. Okay. Um, so, and at 721, Betsy's daughter had tried calling her and wasn't getting an answer. So we think, and she, she was expecting that call. So we think that she was dead by 721. So if, if she dropped her off at 705, there's like this weird window there. Okay. So, uh, 727 records show that then Pam had left and called Betsy and the police are like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, well, I called when I got home. And it's like, but it takes you this long to get home. And then the phone pings and you're like down the street. So all these inconsistencies about when she had called, all these fucking lies about it. Um, And then during questioning, Pam says, oh, by the way, December 23rd, a couple days ago, Betsy made me the beneficiary of her life insurance policy. Uh, Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Yeah. That's weird. She... Works in the life insurance. Yeah. She works in the insurance world. Foreshadowing. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> or just shadowing. <laughs> um, Pam said it was because Betsy was worried that Russ and daughters would spend all the money foolishly. Uh, so she's like, listen, I'm going to give it to you, Pam, you trauma friend of mine. But f- my friend that I don't want to ride from, right. that's how close we are. That I have family in town. I have close lifelong friends around. I'm trying to avoid you at all costs. Yeah. Take my money. Take my money. And that, so she wanted to like parcel it out to Russ and um, her daughters. So, okay. 
Pam is never considered a suspect. With this information? Uh-huh. Known publicly? Uh, uh, I don't know how publicly it was known. Or socially? <laughs> or policey. Known policely? Policely. Yes. I want, she must have been very convincing. There's videos. There's tons. And, like, there, there's, there's so much of this case that I can't get to. Otherwise, we'd be sitting here for four hours. That is <laughs> fucking bananas. And there's videos and shit of her being interrogated. And the cops are like... I don't know if they're in love with her or what, or she's got like maybe like you know crazy eyes. Yeah, she's really convincing, but like she's like a Rasputin type, but yeah. of St. Louis. And they're like feeding her information, and is that what happened? And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's what happened, and like they love her. That are getting her like out of it essentially. Yeah, she must have made them cookies or something. <laughs> Um, okay, but so Russ is brought to the police station, questioned for 36 hours without sleep, agrees to take a polygraph test. Turns out they gave him a fake one and told him that he failed, so he would con- confess. Mm-hmm. He didn't confess, but they never told his defense attorney that this information. Okay, on January 4th, Russell, it, Russ is charged with first-degree murder of Betsy. Ugh. Judge Menemeyer rules the defense... The defense counsel Joel Schwartz is not allowed to eat to even talk about Pam as a possible suspect as his argument as to how he didn't do it like reasonable doubt it's this chick who's like lying about everything and is also the life insurance fucking person right <laughs> is this making sense am I are you following this uh, is crazy uh, yes okay what more do I have this to is... do with my face <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucking crazy no no I get I mean, it's crazy that they would be like, "There's she got some juice somewhere, obviously. Yeah. Because maybe it's in her fucking push-up hey. bra. Which, hey. Uh, uh. <laughs> that was a party. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 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 okay. So then, um, since she, okay, so she's not allowed to talk about Pam as a suspect, so defense is prohibited from questioning her at all, either in front of the jury or bringing her up as an alternative suspect. Huh. Meanwhile, since she wasn't a suspect and Russ was going to the trial, detective, the detective's like, called the insurance company and she's like, no, no, you can go ahead and let that, give her that money. She's not a suspect. So they let the money go and give her the $150,000 life insurance what? policy. For the family. And then right before the trial, four days before, they're like, it looks really bad that you haven't given any of that money to the daughters, so you should do it really quickly before the trial starts. So she puts $150,000 in a trust for the daughters, and the $50,000 other dollars she <laughs> um, says is in a bunch of other places. <laughs> That's for her, for her evil amulet fund that she <laughs> likes to wear, yes. wear around town. Yes. Okay. But, 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 defense prohibited. Meanwhile, da, 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 da. okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, prosecutor Leah uh, Askey, Leah, let's call her, says <laughs> that of Russ's alibi. Okay, so this is how she's going to take apart Russ's fucking concrete as shit alibi. You ready for this? Yeah. Those four friends that he got high and hung out with and played games with. They're all in on the murder of Betsy. They're all in on it. They've been fucking plotting and planning it. They're, but, they, but they don't get arrested, but they're all in on it. This is how they did it. The theory was that um, they kept his phone at the house, so at the friend's house, while he drove back home because it would ping in the right place. Fucking ha- killed her, 
while he was naked, took a shower, put the same clothes back on. Is this real? This is the, the, the her, yes. <laughs> yes. Shit. This is what our friend fucking Leah Askey was like, let me tell you, I'm a fucking prosecutor for real, with like a diploma and shit on my wall, and this is my argument. Dang. Listen, I don't have a fucking diploma, and I wouldn't argue that. So there, five people are insanely evil as opposed to maybe just this one other lady. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. It's very problematic. Okay. So took, killed her while he was naked so that his clothes wouldn't have stuff on it. Took a shower, put the same clothes black on, stashed his bloody slippers in the closet. Then, then his friends... Because they had the phone and the drive-thru receipt were at the crime scene when she was found. So the friend, one of the friends fucking drove the, not only drove the phone back to give to Russ real quick before he called 911, but went through the drive-thru at Arby's to provide him with that receipt. Yes. Yes. I am not kidding. Yes. This went is Went through a, a drive-thru for you. It's a lot of the reason that I eat fast food is because <laughs> I just want that alibi. You know what I mean? We just got to, got to build that file where you've been. You see why they gave you this photo? Like this chick <laughs> fucking <laughs> your most banana stories I've ever heard. Yeah. Okay. Bop, bop, bop. He went. He bought an Arby's franchise. He put up his own <laughs> receipt. And then there was the whole thing, too. Like, he had ran a bunch of errands earlier in the day, and they were like, it's too many errands. It's suspicious. He's trying to create an alibi. And it's like, well, I had a coupon for dog food here, and cigarettes are cheaper here. It's silly, but it's like, you know. It's kind of the way everyone lives their life. Yeah. <laughs> I like my pet food store, specifically. It's called... It's called errands. Errands. <laughs> errands isn't one place, or just be errand. That's fucking a very good point. That sounded like the hackiest joke in the world, but I'm just <laughs> trying to make this fucking make sense. <laughs> okay. Da, da, da. Okay, guess what? What? Guess what? Russ is found guilty and given life without parole. <laughs> Can you fucking... <laughs> Fuck. I promise I'm not making this shit up. They know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Please tell me. Okay. Problematic. Just keep going because this is no, making me it. nuts. What? No, just <laughs> what if that was it? <laughs> now you go. Go ahead. Um, Top that. Okay. Oh, it's so awful. Uh, okay, like a couple days after he is given life without parole, this our fucking friend Pam Hup revokes the trust, takes that money back out of the girl, fucking... Girl, you greedy girl. She's like, JK, bitches, and takes the money. <laughs> so Betsy's daughter sue her, and then they lose, which I, I think that's ongoing, and they should win it all back, and it's, it's obnoxious. Anyways... Then, okay, all these like appeals and all this crazy shit's going on and the defense attorney's like, this is insane. Um, <laughs> then in 2015, a judge orders a new trial. Let's fast forward. When all kinds of blood evidence and Russ's favor comes to light that, def- that the prosecutors hadn't provided with the original case, a bunch of luminol shit, that they were like, oh, the camera didn't work. And then someone anonymously was like, here's 113 photos of the camera working and the luminol not showing anything. It's just shit. fucking bananas. Okay. Anonymous source also turns over evidence that our friend prosecutor Leah Askey is having an affair with one of the lead detectives in the case, Detective Michael Lang, during the time of the arrest, trial, and conviction. And she even fucking talked to him on 
on, what do they call it? Twitter? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, cross-examine him. You know. Oh, on the bench? Yeah. On the no. seat? Yes. On the, up in the front of the audience? <laughs> on the stand. Thank you. I am not we drunk. We don't know the basics. <laughs> it's so irritating. <clears throat> we still haven't gotten to why she has fucking tampons on her neck. Pads. I cannot wait. But here's, that is such a bummer, like, to do, to, to put someone in jail for life because of love. You fucking idiot. Yeah. Or, you know, an yeah. affair. It's not even, it's just a weird, okay, everything's insane. Right. Well, Everything let's, is, not, let's not judge. <laughs> no, let's judge this shit. <laughs> they judge. Let's, that's what this is for. What if it was the greatest love of all, though? Aww. Like Whitney used to sing about. Go ahead. I'm just saying. Devil's advocating. <laughs> when the new trial starts, Pam Hupp is like, still lying, still making all the crazy shit up, and then is like, oh, you know what? Another thing is, another reason she put all the money, the life insurance into my name, is because I forgot to tell you this. We were lesbian lovers. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. twist a No, no twist. She just fucking made another thing up. <sighs> That's not true. <laughs> More banana shit. This, is rem- this whole story is, is very parallel to V.C. Andrews' novel, <gasps> My Sweet Audrina. Oh, my God. Is it not? Have you guys read it? <laughs> I was listening to the audiobook on the plane laughing out loud <laughs> and writing down phrases. It's just getting dirtier um. and weirder as it goes. Anyway. Oh, I can't wait for you to read them to me. Uh. Oh, I mean, not in a gross way, but like, <laughs> you know. Uh, okay, sorry. So No, you're, you're right. Um, he, so finally, Russ is acquitted in a retrial in November 2015. Yay. Great. So in the, in the retrial, it's just him. It's just about the fact that he wa- went to jail. So it's, it has nothing to do with Pam. No, now all this, all this uh, Pam shit is admissible because the, the new oh. judge is like, what the fuck Okay, okay, happened? awesome. Okay. And the old judge is like, there's like four cases that were overturned because they were like, you can't let this into, you know. Okay. Because it was full of shit. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk some more law stuff. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> insane. I'm really excited. Okay. Retrial, acquitted, etc. Then, here we go. Some more weird shit happens. This, we're, getting, we're getting to the weird shit. Okay. Weirder. August 16th, 2016, Pam Hupp calls 911 from her home in O'Fallon. Is that right? And, tell, did it. and tells police that there is a man in her home attacking her. And she's well, on the phone with them shoots him to death. The man who's at the, the man who broke into her house who's attacking her. While she's on the phone with 911. Uh-huh. Okay. Someone, he's coming at me, shoots him. He's an intruder. The man is 33-year-old Louis um, Gumperberger and Pam Hupp says that he approached her in her driveway of her home, followed her into her home with a knife to her and demanded Russ's money. Uh, terrified for her life, she said she knocked the knife away from him, ran inside, and grabbed her 38 Ruger revolver from her nightstand. You know. You keep next to your V.C. Andrews book? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and he came after her, quote, like a madman, so she shot him. So, this guy, Lewis, he's 33 from Union, Missouri, 
The thing is, he had suffered a traumatic brain injury after being in a car accident 11 years ago and had diminished mental capacity and, and uh, physical capacity. So he only left home. He didn't leave home alone often. He didn't drive. He lived 13 miles away from her. There's no reason he would have been there. And when his pockets are searched, he had $900 in his wallet and a handwritten note um, saying, in, with instructions to kidnap Pam Hupp and get, quote, Russ's money and then kill Pam Hupp. So that, it looks that like... That was all in his wallet on paper, mm-hmm. handwritten. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are my errands today? Let's see. <laughs> like someone had hired him as a hitman to kill Pam. And then written the directions on paper, folded up in his wallet like an Arby's receipt, and sent him on his way. You know how you send Arby's receipts all over town. That's right. Okay. When police investigate, a random woman is like, you know what's weird about this investigation is that a week ago, a woman approached me in an SUV claiming to be a Dateline producer <laughs> working on a story about 911 calls. And she's like, excuse me, random woman, can I just record you saying this 911 call? We need some voiceover for the Dateline NBC <laughs> show I work for. That's how we do it. That's how they That's do how it. That's how they do it. Karen, that, tell us. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity because <laughs> high-level television producing, especially a, a, an award-winning nighttime news magazine, they're going to stick a phone out the window and they're going <laughs> to they're going to use that as an interview. It happens. Well, she was like, "Come with me. I'll give you money. Just come back to my house with me and record this 911 call." And the woman was like, you don't, I'm not going to do that. She's like, I am a professional voiceover actress yeah. and you're going to have to book a studio. Right. You know, normal stuff. But the woman's like, fuck no, because she didn't have any credentials. And later the woman's able to identify the woman in the SUV, shockingly, as Pam Hupp. So when the money in Lewis's pocket is checked, the serial numbers from the $100 bills from that $900 matches the like $100 bill that, that Pam has. So she was like, one for you, two for you, three for you, four for you, one for me. Like yeah. they were in order. They were all friends. So it was basically like she took out a, a chunk of the middle, left the other ones in her wallet, and then yeah. stuck them in his yeah. wallet very clearly. Yeah, they were from the same litter, essentially. Okay. <laughs> Then she drove around asking people to write a handwritten note that said, go kidnap. Yeah. Because she... that matches the one in Pam's stupid pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Authorities think that she picked up Lewis and offered him money for this reason, drove him back to her house, staged the incident to make it look like he was attacking her, and, and shot him. So essentially she killed an innocent man to frame Resferia for attempting to kill her and take the attention from Betsy's murder off of her because now they were looking at her. Yeah, because you, you won't get attention if you kill a man in your kitchen. No. That's how you lay low. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good tip. Well, what, what happens is everyone's like, oh, she's been through enough. Let's not bother her. Let's not her. put her in jail. Yeah. yeah. She got attacked. Before being booked, 57-year-old Pam Hupp was asked, asked to use the restroom and stabbed herself in the neck and wrist with a ballpoint pen. Oh. Hey, girl. <laughs> This chick is fucking Looney Tunes. She is going for it in a major way. Here's the thing. There's... What could be less effective for a stabbing situation than a ballpoint pen? I've... 
I mean, she's like, maybe this will make them get off me. And I'm like, she's been through enough now. Now she's been through enough. <laughs> okay, wait, no, now yeah. she put a, a maxi pad on her neck. She's been through enough. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. <laughs> Look at her fucking smile. Well, you got me. You finally got me. And book them. <laughs> Jesus. Yep, 100% Jesus. Uh, okay, I think that's it. And then, okay, finally, now, these days, okay, okay, also the St. Louis County Police Department is also reviewing a 2013 case involving the death of none other than Pam Hupp's 77-year-old mother, Shirley Newman, who, right, who died right before the first trial, before Betsy's first trial, the, the murder of Betsy. She fell to her death from a third floor balcony the medical examiner found high levels of Ambien in her mom's system, and Ugh. Pam had spent time with her that day. It was initially ruled an accidental, but it's now undetermined, and they're looking into it. And the, the, um, she faces first-degree murder on Lewis's murder, and she's going to trial in September 2018. So we'll all be there. <laughs> you guys have to go. Oh, my God. What did I say? Crazy. Unbelievable, right? So intense. So intense. This is the story with the pad on the, her using a pad on her wound, right? Yes, that's right. So that's always a, that's always a, if you, when you're, we're trying to pick stories, if you see that, you grab it. Any kind of maxi pad based anything, we're in in 100%. That's right. If it's evidence in a trial, that's what we want. What's your update? So my update is incredible. So that was 2017 and she had just been arraigned and was awaiting trial. And in August of 20, what was that number? In August of 2019, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Hmm. And then in 2020, another update, her husband finally filed for for divorce. Oh, Mr. Hub. It's like one thing after another for that poor guy. Yeah. You know, pretty intense. Yeah. That's well, great, great job. Um, it's always fun to talk about things we did in the past. That's right. And mm. listen to them. Yeah. And now and we have a special hometown, live show hometown. Stephen, can you tell us the details of this? Yes. It is a live hometown from Michelle from North Charleston, South Carolina, September 21st, 2018. South Carolina. Char- Charleston's definitely one of those. Okay. If I ever retire, I want to move there. It's a charming yes. little town it was a beautiful town yeah. that was it was very fun to be there That's for funny. sure college towns man you can't go wrong uh, let's hear let's hear it is her name michelle's did you say michelle yeah, michelle strong accent which we always appreciate let's hear michelle's hometown do we have time for her hometown yeah let's do it hometown time. already but it's important just to remember the key here is being concise knowing your story exactly and by heart telling it quickly when you get up here it's very overwhelming we always forget to warn people about that it's really very overwhelming so if you're like three and a half beers in you might want to reconsider just because it like it hits you kind of like a cold wave and then you don't really know what to do um uh, so key points are important. Just run through that fucking story. Take us on a journey. We'll help you. We're here for out. you. We'll help you. We love you. Yeah. Um, we want it. It's best when it's personal. It's it has to be local. It's it's. We don't South care Carolina. what happened in Arizona. Yeah. We just don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nobody here cares. <laughs> um, okay. So and remember, everyone hates you if you get picked. <laughs> I will. I will add 
You are what? Our husband? This job has many responsibilities. <laughs> I do what needs to be done. That's it. That's what it is. He's a good man. He's a good man. I don't select. You select. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Horrible. Can we bring the lights down so Turn we don't have to watch so she doesn't see everyone. everyone. Anymore? Thank you. Look how far back That's the theater goes. <laughs> Hi, you guys. Hi, guys. Did you wait four minutes to order tickets? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shirt Thanks say. for being here. Bloodies with um, murder. Yes, I did. What does that mean? Bloodies what? I had Bloody Marys with a murderer on multiple occasions before he committed a crazy yeah. murder. Okay, here we fucking go. Here we fucking Hold go. On. Okay. You just picked, am I right by saying, Georgia just picked a person who made a t shirt of her hometown? <laughs> yes, I did. Holy shit. What are the odds? I'm an art teacher. <laughs> All right, oh, tell wait. us. And then, can I ask another question? Yes. Did you wear your purse up here? Well, it says my favorite murder on it. She made it. I did. Did you wear your well, My friend made it, actually. Okay. So you do have a friend here. You just She's the one it. who's wearing the, the half and half costume. Oh, oh nice. okay. That makes sense. Awesome. Oh, you guys are like, you, you can't both have a thing. Oh, those two girls got a thing. <laughs> okay. Now, where are you from? Yeah. All right, so I live in Florence County in Florence, and I have a part-time... I have a part-time job in Darlington where I work at a dive bar. Nice. Yes. Meet a wide range of great people. <laughs> and I had met, the, met this guy before prior. And we had an older couple used to come in. And on Sundays, they would do what they called communion, where you would have Bloody Marys, martinis, mimosas. People would bring them instead of going to church, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're Baptists. We can't drink there. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> So we went to several of these functions plenty of times, had a great time, drank Bloody Marys, you know. So I, I smoked, so I got in the yard, and this guy would come out with me. His name was Randy Robinson. Mm. And we would smoke and whatever. He was a great conversationalist, very intelligent, <laughs> somewhat charming. <laughs> Should have known better. Right. <laughs> so I didn't see him for a long time. I flash forward a few years. Can I just ask a quick question? Yes. Did you kind of like him? Um, I liked his personality, but he was macking on me hard, knowing my husband was in the house, so I knew he was oh, a douche. Oh, shit. So, he he changed my opinion of him yes. very quickly. That, yes. that wasn't first, you know, that came along a little bit later, but still. Okay. Disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pockets. Pockets. She's, you guys, she's got it all. <laughs> I'm turning red. <laughs> so I heard 
his name on a newscast while well, I'm like, you know, in the kitchen messing around. <laughs> Randy Robinson is a purchased person of interest in a murder. And I was like, what? And I ran in the living room and turned the volume up. Well, he had moved to the beach about an hour away, and he was the last person seen with his on and off again girlfriend. Her name was Angie Pipkin. She was 32 years old, single mother. And much later, turns out, he had accidentally murdered her in a fit of rage, a domestic incident. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's, it's, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Um, but here's the messed up part. So he dismembers her in his garage. <laughs> his neighbors said it was weird that he was pressure washing the house, the garage, and his truck. <sighs> um, but Always he drives back that. to Darlington County with these parts in a trash can. He enlists the help of a friend from back in the day, tells him he needs help disposing of a hog carcass, which is completely believable where we live. <laughs> but when they started pulling the parts out, the friend's like, that ain't no hog. Oh, fuck. The friend ended up testifying against it. Oh, God. Yes, and he got prosecuted to the fullest, and definitely, he, he should have been. Yeah. But that's my yeah. hometown murder. Amazing. Oh Uh, I have to mention, my husband has a podcast. It's called Cinema Chop Shop. Nice. It's Cinema a, mo Chop it's a Shop? movie movie podcast. Love Great. it. Cinema Wait. Chop Shop. Guess what you just won. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can return it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was great. A great job. Awesome job. Beautiful. Oh, my God. <laughs> the only people who, are, who work in dive bars are allowed to do hometowns from now on. <laughs> Because you know they can fucking talk. You know? Also, just just severe respect to someone who's going to plug her husband's podcast yeah. at the end of that. She knows. She knows how it works. We watch wrestling, everyone. <laughs> Great job, Michelle. I've Thank always, you. I've always hated Bloody Marys, and I would like this to be the proof that they suck. <laughs> it's fucking cold ketchup and alcohol. Disgusting. I love them. Ugh. I really do. Ugh, it's thick, cold ketchup. With you can drink sweat. it in the morning, and no one says a word. Ah, mimosas don't even too. Care. I hate that. Yeah. Like I hate mimosas, and I hate Bloody Marys. I love mimosas. They're too much sugar. But you can't order a beer at brunch. Like you're judged no. somehow if you order a whiskey or a cocktail, and everyone else orders. Oh, but so Vince did introduce me to Greyhounds, though. Oh, those are nice. Yeah, vodka. That's an OJ. nice and low key. That looks mm -hmm. like OJ. That's okay. All right. Well, I think this has been an extra large episode, um, but you know we we enjoy podcasting. Um, we enjoy podcasting, obviously, or we wouldn't have done it for the last last five years and written two books about it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the proof. If you need more proof, I don't know what more you need. Why do you keep questioning us? <laughs> Clearly, we love it. Clearly, we love we you. Love it. We love you. Stay sexy and don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>